formed comes from that root word morpho'o. And then he uses it in Galatians when he, when he says, I, I'm, a, I'm again in the pains of childbirth till Christ is formed in you. And so that's the same root word. He, he uses it, uh, uh, maybe a verse that we're uh, familiar with in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That, that's the word metamorpho, which is where we get the word metamorphosis. So you get this picture, the essence of that word, essentially that Greek word means to shape something into a durable likeness. So when I think about spiritual maturity, whatever it is, it seems like it entails the idea of us being shaped into a lasting likeness of Jesus. That's what I think of. And I, I think of the prepositional gospel, what I would call a prepositional gospel. You know, here is Jesus who is for us, he is with us, he takes our place, he's in our stead. But there's this other word that he is in us and we are in him. Uh, Paul says it this way in chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Mm. That this process of going is going on in me, and I am in him, and I don't understand all, how all that works, but it's this process that deepens me. It pushes me deeper into him. That's just how my mind sort of works. And then Philippians, the second chapter, this is Paul again saying, therefore, my dear friends, <clears throat> as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So it's this, <clears throat> my maturity it's not just my own deal, and it's not just his own deal, if you will, but that we are collaborators in me growing up into him in more profound ways. Okay, so I hear you saying spiritual maturity looks like being formed, what's the phrase you used? Formed into a, a dur durable likeness of Jesus. A durable likeness of Christ. And as I'm shaped into that, it's an inward thing. He's working through me, he's enabling me, and yet working through me to change me into that, into that shape. That, I think it's a great picture of spiritual maturity. And as we think about Scripture, all of Scripture is concerned about it, right? I think, I think the hardest part is not defining it. The hardest part is measuring it, right? Like a gauge. Like, how, how do you measure my spiritual maturity? How do I do it? You remember the, remember the old, I don't know, is it 60s cartoon Christmas? I just mentioned Christmas a while ago. I got Christmas on the mind already. Yeah. It's four months by, away. By the way, I, I have to say, I had my first pumpkin spice latte of the season today. <laughs> You seem like you're in a better mood. Yeah. Life is good again. Football, pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> well, what comes along with pumpkin spice lattes are cartoons. Do you... Okay. Hear me out. Okay, I got four kids for crying out loud. This is my filter. Do you remember the, you remember the old Grinch uh, cartoon? A Grinch yeah. Stole Christmas, right? You remember when it measures his, his heart? Remember, like, it has, like, this heart x-ray. Do you remember that? On his heart, yeah. and it says his heart was two sizes too small. Do you remember that on Christmas? And it's just, it's like, eh, 
and you see it like shrinking. <laughs> and then you know he you know he steals from the the uh, what are they called? All the little people in the who's all the who's of Whoville, right? Yeah, Cindy uh, Lou Who, right? Yeah. And remember on that day, says his heart grew three sizes. Like so often, I think to myself, how cool would it be if we had like like a like an X-ray, like a heart X-ray, <laughs> that could determine where is my heart? There's probably an app for that. Somewhere. There probably <laughs> is an app for that. Yes. <laughs> but I don't pay for apps. I only do the free ones. So, you know. But as I think about it, one time Jesus was asked this question about measuring, right? And like, so how do you how do you measure what's the most important thing? How do we do it? Because it's so complex. There's a lot to it. And in Matthew 22, this is this is what goes on here. Matthew 22, verse 38. He says, um, well, uh, Matthew tells us first, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. These are some religious leaders who he was engaging with. The Pharisees, another political group, got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in all the law? He's asking for, to, to him to distill it. How do you measure? How do you determine? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And he says, this is the first. This is, this is number one, numero uno. It's the greatest. It's the top. Verse 39. And the second, it's similar. It's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he points back to all the Old Testament scripture, and he says, all the law, all the prophets, that's all the Old Testament, hang on these two commandments. Everything boils down to this picture of, do, is my intensity of love for God growing? And as a result of that, is my, is my love of uh, growing for others who are around me? Boy, that's not, that's not what, what typically in, in church world we measure spiritual maturity by, is it? I mean, typically it's checking off lists, yeah. Or tenure, even how long you've been a Christian. I love. I think I first heard Pastor Derry use the analogy of, of someone who maybe has been a, a, a Christian for 20 years, but they're not 20 years old in the Lord. They just repeated the yeah. same year 20 times, yeah. and and so it's really not time put in based on what you're saying. It's my capacity to love. Yeah, and and how we gauge that I think is is a bit difficult. One thing that I've been really excited about that this is the, I've been following this for a number of years. I don't know how many of you guys have heard about there's a there's a study that started back in 2003. Um, there's a there's a large church in Illinois called Willow Creek, and it was just this internal thing at first. It was like a hey let's let's figure out which one of our ministries are doing the best job, and then we can kind of put resources toward that area. And out of it grew this like there's finding out stuff data that they're going holy cow we didn't know this stuff this is well then it spreads and other churches start using it and so the, it's this this survey has been going on for like nine years and um, there there are uh, 40 plus different denominations who have engaged in it um, 1,400 different churches have, have taken part in this sort of assessment spiritual growth assessment. Um, and to date, as of now, over 400,000 individuals in those churches, 400,000 congregants have been a part of this. So, I mean, I love it because oftentimes as we think about, okay, how do I grow spiritual? What does that look like? We, you know, we take guesses and we, you know, guesstimate and all this kind of thing. But this is like hard data. This just tells us the facts. And one of the cool things that emerged out of it, let me point to something up here on the screen. Um, one thing that, that, that emerged or developed out of, out of this survey, this is called the Reveal, the Reveal Survey. You can find this online. You can, there's, a, there's a great book called Move, which kind of pulls all these findings together, the, the, these nine years of, of research. But one thing that's really helpful that emerged out of this was what's called a spiritual continuum, which is just to say this, that what they found is that as people expressed how, they, how they're loving God and how they're growing in their love for others, the, these four segments 
emerged that, that we tend to go through as we do this thing called you know, spiritual growth, walking with God, whatever we might say. And let me just walk through them real quickly. The first one would be exploring Christ, okay? So this would be a segment which would say, yeah, I, I'm interested in God, not sure about the Jesus thing, I'm just, I'm exploring, okay? This would be someone who would say, I've made an initial commitment to Christ. I believe in Jesus, faith is now a, a significant part of my life, but I'm just, like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what does it mean to have a personal relationship? What does that look like? What's involved in that? Someone who would self-describe as close to Christ would be someone who would say, I depend upon Jesus daily for life. I mean, it's, it's a regular part of, of my life. I, I depend on him and through you know, prayer for guidance. It's still a little bit, I'm depending upon him to help me with my life. And then there's this, the, the, there's this other segment called Christ-centered, which would say, oh, I realize that I kind of had that backwards. It's not about him helping me with my life. It's, it's me realizing that I need to abandon everything for him and that the most important relationship in my life is Christ. And it's, it's ultimately exhibited by, by this hard attitude of I'm willing to sacrifice anything, anything for the kingdom, anything for Christ and his movement. So this is this, this is the survey. Now, what's, what's so interesting about this, the big, big question as it started to emerge, and, and there are like thousands of new questions that they weren't even thinking about that started, you know, rising and... But the big question was this, what causes people to move, right? Because, you know, I can, I can maybe take an assessment and say, okay, I think I'm here in this area and, you know, there and that. But, like, how do I experience movement? Because that's really the goal. It's right. not to say, here's where I am, or, you know, there's no such thing as arriving, right? Yeah. But it's to say, how do I experience movement in my life? And, and so what they did is they, like, they asked questions. They said, like, okay, well, what would be, like, church activities that would be catalytic, you know, is it going to church on Sunday? Is it getting involved no, in a... No, it was Wednesday nights, I'm yeah, sure. Well, that's the bigger one. <laughs> going Wednesdays. Yeah, weekends won't do it for you. Wednesdays, maybe. <laughs> you know, is it small group? Is, is, is it serving through my church in some way? Is it getting involved? Is, is it taking a class? Like, like, there's tons of church activities, right? So which ones are really catalytic for growth? Um, how, how about beliefs? Like, what are core beliefs or, or attitudes, dispositions... Um, you know, biblical beliefs or whatever, that, that really cause growth, you know, that caused me to transition. Somebody. What, are, what are personal spiritual practices? You know, is it like prayer? Like, is that really big? Or, or what about fasting? What about, what about uh, you know, evangelism? What role do all of these things play in, in moving people along? And what they found that was really interesting is different things mattered at different places, you know, so people, like people who are over here, what was really catalytic for growth for them would be things like serving, serving those in need through my church. It was not so much helpful or wasn't catalytic for growth as much for people over here. Now, there were some things that were consistent across the board. Um, having a, a life that is just like immersed in Scripture. Reflection on Scripture was big all the way across the board. But there were places that were unique depending on where you were yeah. in, in one of these segments. You know, I, it, I, a couple weeks ago, I guess it was a week and a half ago maybe, on, on the weekend, I had the opportunity to, to bring the message. And I think this speaks directly to what I was trying to convey there, is that if you remember back when you first came to, to know the Lord, however that happened for you, it, 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 you go to a weekend experience, and that's new to you, 
you encounter Jesus, maybe there or maybe it's a friend who leads you to faith over coffee or whatever it is. And you, and you feel like, it, I hear this all the time from people who are beginning a journey of faith and from people who have been following Jesus for a long time too, but especially when it's all brand new, it's like I hear them say, it's like the speaker knew exactly where I was. Everything, I've heard this so many times here at Timberline, where somebody will say, it's like every weekend, whoever's talking is talking directly to me. It speaks directly to me. But what happens, and I think what this revealed is what happens as people begin to grow, it still speaks to them. But they, it goes back to the analogy, if you were here a couple of weekends ago, of, of finding a favorite restaurant and deciding that's the only meal I'm gonna eat every week because it's so good. And so I'm only gonna eat once a week because I love this, I love this meal. Well, the reality is it doesn't matter how good that meal is, you're gonna be unhealthy. And what I think they, they learned was that it, it, you have to eventually begin to put yourself in more environments where you can grow, and, and you have to learn how to cook yourself. You have to learn how to prepare a meal. In other words, you have to learn to become a self-feeder and study scripture and spend time with God and all of those things that are part of that. Um, and, and, and people, they discovered people would get stalled, and sometimes it was because of that. They were depending on a 60-minute service once a week to be their sole nourishment for spiritual growth. And that, that's just not realistic. Well, and, and, it, and it isn't unlike physical development. You know, a baby is dependent on mother's milk or whatever, and that's big early on, but then you grow into pureed vegetables. You know, you just go there, and then, but then you discover burger and pizzas. Yes. You know, but but <laughs> yes. this, this idea, this idea that we need different things at different times in different quantities to move us down the field yeah. isn't that's not an unusual concept but i don't know that i have personally looked at that very closely yeah. i know I, I know there's this phenomenon that you talked about but i don't know that i've looked at that very closely until just recently well and you know i mean you think about the reality and 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 we uh, if you who speak on a weekend grapple with this i see pastor jeff over here we grapple with this every weekend is you the reality is on any given weekend in this building and Timberline Windsor and the campuses that, that we have, the South Auditorium, there are people who are, are here because they were brought kicking and screaming by mom and dad. There are people, a lot of people in that exploring Christ category mm -hmm. who have not even said, I believe in Jesus yet. They're exploring, they're intrigued, but they haven't given their life to Jesus, all the way up to people who would give anything for the sake of Jesus. And you figure in 25 minutes, we, we, can, we can give everyone what they need at every stage. That's just not realistic. And, and so at, at some point, especially in those later pieces, and I think that kind of came out, right, is where the stalling often happened. Yeah. One of the things that, that, that was also very interesting, just to throw a, a slightly different image up there, what's more intriguing to me than, than, than these stages as far as, because it's not about pigeonholing, it's not about categorizing, I'm here, I'm there, whatever, but it's about, again, thinking about this whole concept of movement. But they discovered also, the, the, if there are four categories, there are three movements in between these categories. And that's where they have just these, like, literally millions of data points, all this information, you know, that looks at, okay, so what goes on? What is, again, a high-impact, catalytic element of growth? And so this kind of gets a little bit to what a couple things we want to say about what our focus is on Wednesday nights. Um, our goal... As, as we, you know, for the rest of the fall here, is, is to say, what if, what if we as a community, 
on these Wednesday nights, what if we said, we're gonna focus on what would it look like to have this, this attitude in this third movement of, of, of called, um, or is described as, I'm willing to sacrifice anything for Jesus. Like, what, what would that be like if we were a community really committed to that? And again, it's not just, well, let's just try real hard and who knows what it looks like. I mean, we have, we have all this data, which I just, I love. You know, we have things like, if, if I'm gonna focus on giving my life away, that I'm willing to risk everything for Christ, as I do that, as I pursue that, um, I'm gonna experience this heart which looks like you know, saying, hey man, I'm willing to sacrifice anything. I'm gonna experience movement. As, as I develop this, this belief or attitude of Christ is first in my life, that I desire Jesus to be the center of my life. You know what you were talking about, Dick, a little while ago, like I'm in him, he's for me. My identity in Christ is formed by that. As I pursue this concept of my identity in Christ, that I, I exist to serve him, that that's first and foremost who I am as a, as a man, as a husband, as an employee, as an employer, whatever it might be. This is, the, this is what defines me. As I focus on the authority of the Bible, that as I place myself at a, um, at a position where I allow Scripture to evaluate and judge my life, that whether I like it or not, that I allow my life to be guided by its standards. Uh, you know, Nikki was uh, reading Scripture earlier, this concept of loving God, like pursuing after God's commandments, His will. Loving, loving his word as I put myself in that place, as I reflect on scripture daily in my life. Like, what if, what if we were a community that really, and I'm, I'm putting myself in that because I'm, I'm kind of looking at it and going, I don't, I don't think that I'm really formed by this as much as I should be. I know I'm not. Mm. But what if we as a community committed to this this fall and, and said, this is where we're going? I think that would be big. Mm. Yeah. And so one thing that, that we want to talk about and this leads us to kind of going into where, where we're going the rest of the, of, of the uh, fall. It seems like one of the big obstacles for us is that we get stalled. We get to that place where, and sometimes we don't even know why. Like, have you guys ever been there before where you kind of, and you're kind of embarrassed to admit it because you think, man, I've been, you know, I've been following Jesus for X number of years. So if I come out and say, I don't know why, but I feel plateaued. I just feel stalled. Somebody it's came kind of to me the other day and said, you know, I'm, I'm just dry. I mean, I know Jesus is real. I'm just—it's in a dry period. That's yeah. that—that's the kind of language that I think that describes. How, how many it. of you have ever been there? Plateaued. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe many of us are, are even at that point right now, and it doesn't make sense. And sometimes because we've—we have tenure. I mean, we've been following Jesus for this long. We never ask for help because it's embarrassing to say, "I just—I'm stuck." And yet, it's a reality for all of us if we don't pay attention to it. Yeah. And so what we, and I think there are a lot of reasons why we get stuck. I mean, multiple, multiple reasons. But the one that we want to focus on here for the rest of this semester is <clears throat> this idea of emotional, emotional health. Oh, that's really close up. I should, okay, that's better. Emotional health. Um, emotionally healthy spirituality. Um, this, this summer, earlier this summer, I was, uh, I had picked up this book called The Emotionally Healthy Church. And, and I started going through it and it, more than any book that I have read in a long, long time, it, it, and, and it's continuing to do this to me, like it hit me right between the eyes. Mm. As far as I was looking at it, and here, here I guess is kind of the big takeaway for me. It's written by this guy. His name's Pete Scazzaro. This is this like type A personality, super driven. He gets married, he and his wife go down to uh, Argentina, I think, to learn Spanish. They come back up, they go to Queens, New York. They plant two churches, they're English speaking. Uh, Spanish-speaking church, 
they go to Queens, New York, which is the most diverse zip code in the whole United States. And this guy is just going to the wall, and he's, he's slowly, over time, I mean, things are growing, and, and ministry is great, and, and everything should be good, but he said he and his wife, like their hearts kept shrinking, and their souls, he said it was this, and he couldn't figure out why. And he'd get these points where he would go, okay, I need to examine my life. Is there unforgiveness? Is there unresolved issue? And he just, I don't know what's going on. He couldn't put his finger on it. But he just felt like his soul was shrinking over time. And, and so he hits this wall, and at one point his wife comes to him. Now this is a senior pastor of this church, and his wife comes to him like calmly, and she goes, hey, Pete, I just need to let you know um, I love you, but I'm leaving the church. And he's like, you can't leave the church. That's a bad thing for wife. a pastor's wife, just yeah. FYI. <laughs> yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. In case you don't know, that's a bad thing. It, you know, like Ruth, I came to the door one day and she with four little kids and she's standing there and she's been crying and she stuck her hand out and she said, give me the keys to the car. I'm going away and never coming back. <laughs> she made the problem. <laughs> she had a slight problem. Clearly she was whacked. <laughs> because she took the kids with her. <laughs> Excuse me, I interrupted you. No, I want to know how you did that. That's... I like that. That's a whole other story. You know, hitting a wall at, like when we're doing life, we're doing ministry, and we can't figure out why it is that I'm like hitting these dry spells or hitting a wall or I'm running my family underground or like what is going on? And here I think is the big idea. Discipleship, we use that word a lot, is this picture of me coming before Jesus and I go, okay, all of me, right? Every layer of who I am, I want you to, to have. I want you to, be all, I want you to be the Lord of all of my life. Remember Jesus said, love the Lord, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. I mean, he's, just, he's not giving an exhaustive list, but he's saying it's a totality thing, right? Well, then why is it that most of our discipleship models talk about the spiritual life, period? Mm. How many discipleship models talk about, well, what's going on like, in, inside me? Like, what are, what's happening emotionally with me? Where am I at? Yeah. Most of our models really don't go there, do they? And, you know, I, I was 38 years old, president of this little college. I was having chest pains, and I'm 38 years old, and I go to the doctor, and he's a, he's a believer, you know, great brother, and I, I walk in, and he does this battery of tests. This is 1980, and um, he does a whole battery of tests, charged me $104, which back in the day, that's a chunk of change, and then he turned to me and said, you're under stress. Well, I knew that. I didn't have to pay you $104 to know that. He said, let me show you this picture. And he drew three rings, like Olympic rings. And he said, here you are. This is biblical model. Spirit, soul, intellect, emotion, body. And it's not a perfect model, but these are overlapping circles. They're linked like the Olympic rings. He said, if you, if you have a virus and get sick, it's going to bleed out into you emotionally, affect your spirit. If you sin, it's going to bleed out into your emotions. If you violate God's law, it's going to bleed out into your emotions, into your body, going to make you sick. If you have an emotional distress, it can cause all kinds of physical problems. We know this. Doctors tell you this every time you turn around. And it'll also weaken your spirit. So we're this linked yeah. piece. We, and, and you're saying, and we've talked about this a fair amount, you're saying oftentimes we just focus here, and, but this informs that, or this is connected in some vital way. Yeah. Let me, let me read for you, if I can't, this, you know, this book that, that we're talking about. There was, a, there was a section that I got to. Now, this is, it's written more 
it's from a church leader. This guy's a pastor. He's primarily writing to church leaders, and he's, he's actually written another book that we're really encouraging you guys to pick up. It's in, our, it's in our bookstore. We've got limited copies, so if you don't get it tonight, if you're interested, we'll, we'll have more even by this weekend, but it's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by the same title. So as you want to go deeper, I would encourage you to look at that, but let me read for you this, this passage that just hit me like really hard. Um, He's talking about our standards of what it means to be spiritual, okay? You know, we say, this person's spiritual, or I'm spiritual. He says, are kind of skewed. And oftentimes, they, they totally bypass, or they have this glaring inconsistency. And then he says this, we have learned to accept that. And he, and he just gives seven bullet points. Listen to these. You can be a dynamic, gifted speaker for God in public and be an unloving spouse and parent at home. You can function as a church board member or pastor and be unteachable, insecure, and defensive. You can memorize entire books of the Bible and still be unaware of your depression and anger, even displacing it on other people. You can fast and pray a half day a week for years as a spiritual discipline and constantly be critical of others, justifying it as discernment. You can lead hundreds of people in a Christian ministry while driven by a deep personal need to compensate for a nagging sense of failure. You can pray for deliverance from the demonic realm when in reality you are simply avoiding conflict, repeating an unhealthy pattern of behavior traced back to the home in which you grew up. And the last one, he says, you can be outwardly cooperative at church, but unconsciously try to undercut or defeat your supervisor by coming habitually late, constantly forgetting meetings, withdrawing and becoming apathetic, or ignoring the real issue behind why you are hurt and angry. Wow. The thesis of the next seven weeks are essentially what you have if you picked up a bulletin on your way in. There's a little tagline right underneath this logo, right underneath this image. It is not possible. It is not possible to be spiritually mature, whatever that means. It's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. You know, as you were reading that list, it, we, it made me think of, of going, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, that one of the ways we measure is are we growing in our love for God and our love for people? And, and that, this helps understand why we all know people who check off the list, who do all those things, all the things that, that we would say should make them spiritually mature, whether it's a disciplined time of reading the Bible, they come to church, they give, all of those things, and yet they're still jerks. They still treat people horribly. Yeah. And we all know that. And, and I've been a pastor, uh, not as long as you, longer than you. And, and I've, heard, I've heard so many times people who just treat people horribly. And, and then when, when there's a confrontation about that, they, there's the line that, well, that's, that's just the way he is. Well, the way he is needs to change. I mean, that's not okay. And I think that's kind of that's what made me think of when you were reading that, is that somehow we come to accept this idea that spiritual maturity must be in checking off the list, and so I don't really know why. That's just the way he is. Well, if the gospel's anything, it's that we can be transformed from the inside out. And if we measure it based on our love, then there's something in there is broken. And, and maybe it's the way all of this works together. And, you know, when I, when I think of Jesus weeping over Jerusalem, he knows what's coming, and he weeps over Jerusalem. In his spirit, he knows what's happening. In his emotions, it connects to his emotions, and he does this physical thing of weeping. It's, it's all one, one piece. But when I look at the great commandment, love the Lord your God with everything you have, love your neighbor, 
And the clincher is love, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Yeah. Very hard for me to love you if I don't love me. Yeah. And you say, but you know, I thought we were supposed to deny ourselves. I mean, we, we preach on that, we hear, or, or how about not being self-centered? You're not supposed to be self-centered if you're loving Jesus. But there's a difference between self-centeredness, denying oneself, yeah. taking up the cross, and loving oneself because I'm created in the image of God and I'm willing to deal with me. Yeah. I'm willing to deal with the pieces of who I am. And I need help in doing that. Sometimes yeah. you're a mirror to me and, you know, we, we talk together in a, in a variety of ways. And sometimes one of the brothers will say to me, Dick, have you noticed this about what did, or we'll say, you know, what about that? <clears throat> Excuse me, but I think that that's the, <clears throat> pardon me, that's the connective tissue. Hmm. Love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That piece, a lot of times I don't explore, and I think this, these seven weeks are in part about that piece. Yeah, yeah. Good. And that's really where we're going. You know, the whole thing of how to, the concept of self-care isn't self-obsession. It's a biblical concept. In fact, in the Old Testament, remember there's this verse in Proverbs that says, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. That this, this centerpiece of you, guard it, protect it, be really careful. Um, and the way that we're going to do that is we're going to take over these next seven weeks, we're going to walk through seven different pathways. Okay, so how do I do that? Like that's that's a great point as I think about this. How in the world, I don't, obviously I haven't been doing it all along, so I don't have the tools. So we're gonna explore over the next seven weeks seven pathways to do it. And they're listed right up here on the screen. What does it mean to look beneath the surface? Like, like what is really going on? Do I stop and ask, like, why do I always respond this way? Why do I get really defensive? Why do I feel this, this you know, burning need to always respond so quickly to emails? You know, is it because of, am I, am I, am I a people pleaser? Like, what is going on with what I do? What's, what's beneath the surface? Um, breaking the power of the past. Almost without exception, our family of origin is the biggest shaper of who you and I are. It shapes our values, it shapes our concepts, it shapes how we deal with conflict. I mean, all of these filters, how I approach God, how I approach others, remember this thing, how I love God and how I love mm. others, it comes so much shaped by our background. Um, live in brokenness and vulnerability. What does it mean if we're followers of Christ that we're honest about our brokenness, that we're transparent, that we don't put up a facade about how I really am, but that I actually explore where, where am I broken? Because biblically, every single person, because of Genesis 3, the fall, has deep cracks of brokenness and hurt in our lives. Receiving the gift of limits. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to unpack these um, each week and look at it. And again, look at it as kind of a pathway to exploring this. Enlarging my soul through, through grief and loss. To what degree do I even know and have I reflected enough upon the, the hurts and the, the losses in my life that have also, again, brought, brought shape to who I am? And is it possible by exploring that I could actually enlarge my soul, that I could live a, a broader life, more robust life? Um, learning new skills to love well. Um, we're going to talk about something called incarnational living, and Jesus is the picture of that, so we're going to explore what that means. And slowing down to breathe the air of eternity. There are rhythms of life that God calls us to, that as we, as we neglect them, as we put them aside, it's just to our peril. And we suffer, and as a result, these people suffer that I'm in relationship with. 
and my relationship with God suffers. So we should probably come clean and say that we decided to do this series because the three of us need it really bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I think, I think it's important to observe that our entire pastoral team, there are 19 of us, are going through these yeah. because, because it's important. And I don't, I, I, you know, I've, I've been a believer since I was seven years old. I'm now quite older. a bit older than that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I've never done this in sequence. I think I've done parts of this. I may have done all of it in part, but we are very excited, charged, if you will, about what this might mean in, you know, I don't think it's some weird deal. I think it's a practical uh, exercise and investigation and openness to God that I think can help in the transformational process going forward. For you know, and That's I, what I'm looking for. I agree. And I think the, and you alluded to this, I think earlier, Brett, I, I think you see that the reality of the emotional side of humanness in Jesus in fact, this weekend, Pastor Jeff's bringing the message. He gave us a snapshot this morning in our chapel. It's going to be a powerful weekend in, in, in part of it in getting a glimpse of the humanity of Jesus that often we neglect. And so I think even in the life of Jesus, we see this emotional side. And so, yeah, I agree. I think, I think that uh, my, my last two cents is just that what I've discovered in my life is that I have, I have blind spots that I can't always see. You know, it's the whole thing, you don't know what you don't know, and I, I need help seeing that. And I think as I've gotten into this book, it's helping me see some blind spots in my own life and maybe helping me know how to deal with those blind spots. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one in the room with a blind spot or two. Yeah, yeah, probably. Well, I, I know you two guys, so I know there's at least three of us. Hey, hey. This is being taped and sent around the world. What are you talking? <laughs> you know, one of the things that, that that we've been talking about is saying we don't want this. We don't want emotional health and having an emotional healthy spirituality to be something we just talk about, right? We want it to be something that we actually engage in. And so what we want to do is, on a weekly basis, provide tools for every single one of us to actually explore this and not just go home and say, boy, that was really interesting, so what do I do with that? So one thing that we've provided, we have a, we're going to have ushers at, at all the doors at the end. And as you walk out, would you please pick up one of these? It's, it's, it's like four pages. And this is something that, that we are leveraging from this book, The Emotionally Healthy Church, or Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. With permission. <laughs> And That's what it important. does, it's very important, <laughs> not to me, but it's important to others <laughs> that I work for. Um, this is a blind spot. This is a blind spot. <laughs> uh, good point. Uh, and what it is, is this is a spiritual and emotional health inventory. And what it does is it, it, it'll, it'll give us questions for like, Eight questions for this one, eight questions for this one, eight questions for this one, or whatever it might be. And what I would encourage all of us to do this week, and we're going to make it, you know, we'll, we'll make it available the whole series. If someone comes next week, they can pick it up then as well. And this can be, some of these questions can be kind of hard to answer. I would encourage you to go, go to your closet, you know, go, go somewhere alone. It can be, and be, be just extremely honest, you know, critical. And, and before you even do it, just pray and just say, you know, 
God, would you really help me see what's really going on? Help, help me to evaluate this accurately and just take this inventory to get a picture of where am I at? Where are, the, where are my blind spots? What are the categories that I probably have totally neglected and are hampering my relationships with others and my relationship with God? So take this home, grab one on your way out. We're gonna be doing this this week as well. This is something you know that we've committed you, you, to. Nobody turns this in, this is just for you. This exactly, is... well, I wanna see him, turn him into me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, this is totally, it, it's totally for you, it's totally private. You don't need to share it with anybody at all. But to the degree to which we're willing to be really honest, brutally honest with ourselves. I think that's the degree to which Christ can change us. Because mm-hmm. I can only offer him as much of myself as I know exists. And if there are parts of my life that I don't even know are there, if there are hurts and brokenness that I don't even know is there, it'll never be changed. Yeah. It'll never be transformed. And I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't wanna, I've lived that way too long. I don't wanna mm-hmm. live that way. Mm-hmm. I wanna be brutally honest and I want Christ to change me. Yeah. So would you do this? I'm gonna invite our band to come up. And we, we want to spend just a few more minutes, just we're going to sing another song. And let, let this be an affirmation of, of worship. And what I would encourage you to do is during this, and then I'll come back up at the end and we'll just close in a prayer. In these next few minutes, would you commit yourself to allowing Christ to change you? Inwardly, like what Pastor Dick was talking about earlier, just allow him to change you from the inside out. If your identity is kind of shaky on where it is, maybe this is a time to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to commit myself to that. But let's just take a few moments. You can, you can, I would encourage you to stand if you would like. You can kneel, you can sit, you could come forward, whatever you would like. But allow this song to be a reflection of you putting yourself just totally before Christ and saying, okay, I'll, I'll go on a journey with you over these next seven weeks and I'll allow you to really examine all of who I am and then we'll come back together. Heavenly Father, I, I, I pray for every single, every single one of us, God. Would you, would you breathe something new in us, God, that, that a new day is dawning? Maybe, God, this is exactly what we needed to hear tonight, God. Maybe we need to hear that there's a possibility that we don't have to be stalled, that we don't have to be stuck, that we don't have to continue finding ourselves in, in that place of tripping up. Maybe, God, as, as we explore what it, what it means to be us, uniquely us, with our pasts and our background and what's beneath the surface and just all of what it means to be me, that I would actually have more of me to offer you and that you would then have more of me to transform into the likeness of your son, Jesus. God, would, would you even allow me to think that that's possible? Give me hope. Give me faith that maybe that can happen. And God, would you allow us to be a a community who is transformed from the inside out, who lives new lives, not perfect lives, God, but but lives that are are impacted by this intersection, this, this crash that we have with the God of the universe and that we would live different lives, God. Thank you that we find our heart's deepest longings in you. We love you. Go with us this week, God. More importantly, help us to go with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. Our prayer team is going to be up front. If you would like prayer on your way out, please grab one of those inventories, and we'll see you this weekend. Love you guys.